0: LinkedIn presents No degree, no problem. Any problem we can solve them. LinkedIn Somalia. keeps
1: us evolving. We growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet hit that follow or subscribe button, I encourage you. Don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today's guest is Rashab Kumar. What do you do, Rashab? Hey, so I'm a developer evangelist. I work for Twilio right now. Wow, that's awesome.
0: What does a developer evangelist do? My day-to-day could be, you know, writing blog posts, contributing to documentation or researching events that would make sense for Twilio to, you know, Uh, spend their money on. So like sponsorships and stuff, and then also organize meetups and, you know, do some YouTube videos. Wow,
1: that sounds really, really fun. So how much does a developer evangelist make?
0: At my current level, you usually make around 160 to 180k base, and that's on the Canadian side.
1: Okay. And obviously it can vary depending on role, years of experience, how big of a following exactly. you have on social media too?
0: Sometimes I would say, but yeah, I think experience and also the level of the role matters a lot.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. What's the blueprint for success for this type of role?
0: I think for me, it was my communication skills and public speaking, how well I could you know, talk about technical topics. Uh, to an audience, I think that's what helped me, you know, land this role in the first place. I was trying to teach, or I still do, I teach cloud through my YouTube channel and in a professional manner at a college. So I think those skills came in really handy. And I think that's what they're looking for is to make sure the product or tech you are evangelizing for, you know how it works and you're able to explain it to a technical or non-technical audience and are able to connect with them.
1: So now let's take it back. How was high school like for you? And would you want to be in high school? Really early in
0: high school, I always had, you know, I wanted to be a pilot or <laughs> an astronaut. Um, I had a huge interest in physics and maths. So that's what, like, that's where my skills like were shining at that time. Like I could spend hours doing, you know, mathematical equations and theorems and also spend hours studying physics um but yeah those were like two admirations for me at that time in, back in high school. Yes. So what happened? I think curiosity happened. I, uh, I remember I was 12, 13 or around 14. I think that's that's the age when like I started opening up stuff. So my dad bought us a PC and for some reasons when I installed any like, you know, games it won't work well and i didn't know that you need a graphics card for it so i started poking around started you know doing google search and having a computer at that time back in india and the city we were in was not usual so that was a big deal but on top of that you know we had internet um not great speeds but i was able to google stuff and i'm like oh so you need a graphics card inside it so i opened it up myself and i'm like oh, okay, so this is a PCIe slot, and how much does an average graphics card cost? So I was able to, you know, um, gather my pocket money over a few months and get a graphics card, installed it, learned about drivers and stuff, and then started gaming. And that's also when I realized, you know, there are hacks and stuff that you can do on these certain games, which I don't recommend. But, you know, I think Curiosity caused, like, really good interest in me for like computers and you know electronics too yeah so what was your first job so my first job was working like my first actual job you know where I was getting paid was working at a gas station as a cashier and I did that for almost two and a half years and during that two and a half years I also worked uh, part-time at a pizza place where I used to deliver pizzas
1: that was in Canada or India?
0: That, that that was in Canada.
1: Okay. Now, how did you get more technical? Like, how did you move out of that?
0: Um, yeah, so I was doing, so I was going to a community college for a diploma. So it was a two-year diploma, which was geared towards, you know, technical support or help desk kind of roles. So they taught you hardware. They, like, that's when I learned about Linux and how important it is. To told me like they taught me about networking so like how internet works how dns works and i think that was really interesting to me because you know again that curiosity um trait came in and i'm like oh this is how everything works basically and i'm glad that it was really foundational it was really you know hardcore like you would be fixing motherboards and stuff for uh, the college itself sometimes and they had practical like co-ops and placements so you would work for a company for 2 months it was not paid but it's for you to gain the experience and how the industry works so i think given that education and then once i did my that you know 2 month placement or co-op i'm like oh you know i definitely want to work in tech i don't want to work at a gas station uh for long enough and yeah that's that's basically you know how i gained the basic
1: technical skills Wow, that, that's awesome. Now, what did you learn from delivering pizza and working at a gas station because they teach you some lifelong lessons?
0: Definitely, definitely. And I've had some really I would now I would, when I look back at it, I would say good experiences, but at that time they were bad because you know, every one of them just taught me something about you know how life is. And I think one of the best skills that I have is patience and communications. Like, just when talking to an angry customer, I can calm them down. Um, You know, it's most of the times, it's not like people are not mad at you. It's either the store or the product or the company you're working for. So just let them vent and, you know, once they're done, we'll be fine. So, like, you just need to be patient with them. And I think that's like the. One skill that I really learned um, delivering pizzas and, like, the pizza is cold, people yelling and stuff. Okay. Now, what was your first technical job? So, my first technical job after doing that two-month placement was technical support. So, I was hired to help with the product or, yeah, technical support for a software. So, you know, taking customer calls, answering emails. Uh, helping customers via chat. So all three communication channels was basically for uh, managed printer software that we were selling. So I would provide support for that. And I did that job for almost a year. Okay. Now, what came next? So during that one year, I discovered they were using AWS, the cloud provider, the backend to host this SaaS, right? Or software software. Uh, As a service, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And sometimes I would get cases that were complex enough that I would have to escalate it to the IT or the cloud team so that they would handle it. And again, I think like curiosity plays a huge role into this too. Is I would, I'm like, oh, why don't you show me like what do you do? Because I have to come and escalate it to you every time. Like I would love to see what goes behind. Then and then someone from the cloud team was showing me the console and were like, oh, this is AWS. You basically you know, rent servers instead of having your own data center. Just normal cloud stuff that they were telling me. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I didn't know what cloud was at the time. So I'm like, after I think eight or nine months in tech support, I realized that I, want, I don't want to stay too long in this role. And I reached out to respective engineering teams to see if I can shadow them. So I reached out to software devs, I reached out to QA, and I also reached out to the cloud engineering team and asked if I can shadow them. And it worked out for me. Like The director of engineering was like, yeah, well, you are fine with that. You can spend one week each with them and see what you want to do next. So I spent one week each, took about three to four weeks, and then I decided, okay, cloud is for me, um, and I want to pursue that. And I'm glad like they were so supportive about it. And the cloud engineers were kind of mentors at that point. They were like, you know, we use all these services, do this, 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 get these certifications, and we'll see when we have an opening. So I did that for three months, prepared for a few certifications, built some projects started helping with escalations on tickets that were cloud-based. And yeah, the, there was an opening and they decided to promote me to Cloud engineer. Wow, that's amazing. So what certifications would did you get? So I got the foundational um, certification for AWS, which is the cloud practitioner. And I was preparing for my solutions architect. But yeah, the promotion
1: happened before I could sit the exam. But yeah, just cloud practitioner, I guess, then. What would you recommend people get if they're really interested in learning cloud? Like how they get started? What's How many certifications do you usually recommend they get before they can start applying to jobs?
0: I think two is a good number. Two or maximum three. And this is coming from me who has 13 certifications because I think it's to a point it gets too much like Sometimes I consider it red flag if you're just passing certifications because like when is the time you spend building stuff, right? And two in the case where you can get two associates or one associate and pro level. So usually cloud providers have certifications at three levels. So you have foundational, associate, and then pro. So if you want to get two, I would say skip your foundational, like study for it just don't give the exam because there is a fee involved. And if you're like, you know, I know there are people who are in a situation where they are not employed at the moment or they're you know trying to transition into a new career. So you can skip the foundational, prepare for it, and then go to the associate one um, for any of the cloud providers, Azure, GCP, AWS. And then that's your first one. And go for a pro. If you feel like you'll need some hands-on experience built at least two to three projects at that point to go to the pro level. And I think that too should do it. If you can do the three, then just,
1: yeah. So now what's the difference between the associate and pro?
0: My recommendation usually to students is that get your pro if, like, once you have landed the role, because you will have more time now to spend in a particular cloud provider And also in a production environment, because you're working for a company, that's when you should get a pro. But the difference is basically for pro, I think usually the cloud providers recommend having a year to two years of hands-on experience at a production scale. Whereas for associate, I think it's six months um, hands-on experience. And uh, it's funny because I made a video about this where I sat my AWS pro exam in Azure pro without even studying just two months ago because I had a voucher that was expiring but I have been working in the cloud for almost four years now and I'm like I'll just go and sit if I fail fine because it you know it was a voucher and <laughs> I, I didn't pay anything out of my pocket but I passed because of that hands-on experience oh
1: okay that's that's you know very good to know and one of the things reasons I love cloud is that you can pass these certifications exams And, you know, at least get your free... uh, And then your path is a very common one where you start off in help desk. So you understand Mm -hmm. because help desk typically doesn't pay a lot, but it's very good experience, gives you a a holistic amount of things. And then you learn about all the different areas and then you choose. Now... Definitely. Yeah. So why didn't you go to college? Like you went for the diploma because Canada has that diploma system. What was your reasoning?
0: So I think for not going to college... There were a few factors, one of them being that I was an international student and I couldn't afford, you know, getting a bachelor's degree because of the tuition, um, even though, like, getting the college diploma itself was pretty expensive. So going up one level was even more expensive. Um, the second being, I think that college diplomas are more um streamlined to the to the industry needs. So my diploma was called computer networking and technical support. So I knew that I'm gonna land a help desk job after this. Whereas like I feel like computer science degree is really broad. I get it, it teach, teaches you all the fundamentals you need, but like it's really broad and that's why it takes four years. Whereas my diploma was done in like 18 months, right? So I feel like it's more straightforward. It's more streamlined to a specific profession. And to this day, I say like that diploma now has cloud. And I know there are some undergrad programs, which doesn't include cloud, but I feel like cloud is really important right now. So I feel like they are more streamlined and that was my choice. So one being cost and two being time and like more focused approach.
1: Okay. So now you're a, would you say cloud developer, cloud engineer? What were you at that time?
0: Uh, I was a cloud engineer at that time. Um, The exact title, I think, was cloud ops engineer or something like that. Okay. So how long were you in that role? Two years. Okay. What came next? So next was DevOps engineer, which I'm really, you know, I, I consider myself lucky because how it played out. And DevOps was hot. It was, you know, the hype at that time. This is 2020, 2019. 2019, yeah. And I was working on projects that were DevOps-focused, but my title was still Cloud Engineer. So that's why I tell people too, is like titles are, you know, sometimes they don't make sense. You could be doing, you
1: know, a lot more stuff than just the title itself. Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years Of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out, and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. So I was working on observability.
0: I was working on IAC contributions, so creating a lot of CloudFormation and Terraform modules. And we had an acquisition at that time, small 50-person company was acquired, and now we were a 2,500 people company. That's when they were like, oh, we're building this DevOps team. We see that you have specific DevOps skills that would come in handy for this new team. Why don't you join us? And I'm like, oh, awesome. Yeah, I've been cloud engineer for two years. I think this is the right move. It involved some you know, pay raise and a title change, so I was happy. Yeah, so what is devops. DevOps is a set of principles that you apply in a company to get your software development life cycle better. So it could be making it faster, maybe your releases are taking, you know, a weekend to deploy and you apply these principles to get it down to maybe 2 hours or 3 hours. That was the case in our in in, in my story here <laughs> with the devops role is we usually used to take like a complete weekend where they would spend 4 hours on Saturday and 4 hours on Sunday to deploy our new version to like North America and Europe we brought it down to like spending just a Friday evening for 3 hours and everything was up and running in the new version so that involves you know principles like CI/CD so continuous integration and continuous deployment and people might have used GitHub actions there are more enterprisey tools um, infrastructure as code, which basically means you don't go into the console and deploy your infrastructure. You write it as code files. Um, and then the code takes the care of deploying that infrastructure, tools like Terraform and Pulumi. Um, there is observability and monitoring. So make sure you are collecting the right metrics at the right frequency that measures the performance of your software and also like uptime and things like that. Um, There is containers, which is really hot. So Kubernetes is the orchestration tool that you use. And there's Docker, which lets you containerize things. Yeah, so there are a set of principles that you can apply to get, you know, faster releases, better
1: software development lifecycle, basically. Okay. So tell us how this role went and how did your previous experience help you? And what did you have to pick up to get up to speed?
0: Definitely. So I was an expert in CloudFormation, which is AWS's proprietary infrastructure as code tool. When I moved to this DevOps team, the responsibility now shifted not just from supporting AWS, but you had to support Azure and GCP too. And that was kind of part of the acquisition. Like this bigger company worked with all three cloud providers. And that meant I couldn't use CloudFormation Um Or I could have used it and then use other tools for other cloud providers, but we chose Terraform, which is cloud agnostic. And for the audience, if you don't know what cloud agnostic is, it's basically it works with every cloud. It is not vendor locked in. So you could deploy infrastructure to Azure, GCP, AWS, DigitalOcean, CloudFlare, think of any cloud provider using Terraform. So I had to I think I'd spent two months to get myself up to speed with Terraform, learn the syntax, how the providers work, how the modules work and that was the learning um curve you can say and then I think Grafana came into play which is um dashboard kind of tool like you can build cool dashboards with the metrics you collect in Grafana. So that was the monitoring and observability side of it and yeah, everything else I think like transitioned really well from what I had from the cloud engineering role. Like I was familiar with our architecture design. I was familiar with how devs work on new feature and then how it gets into the pipeline, how CI/CD happens, how the build happens, and then how it goes out to production. So that part like transitioned really well into this role. Like I didn't have to learn a whole lot of new things. But yeah, Terraform and monitoring and observability was the two skills I had to learn, and I think the role went really fast. I would say like I spent a year in that, but I, it does it doesn't seem like a year to me. It's like maybe I spent like six months. I don't know. Yeah, it went it went by fast. Now, yeah, what came next after that? Um, that after that, I landed a technical solutions specialist role at Google. So that was basically supporting GCP customers um, with their cloud solutions. So, you know, if you have any issues with your GCP um, infrastructure, you would open a ticket and, you know, it it was this team who would answer to your concerns. And I think that role, I didn't like it much um, because there was some confusion when the hiring happened because I was rejected for different role four months prior to this and then this role came in i didn't really have to interview again because i did the loop before and had to just do one interview so like a lot of hiring stuff happened in four months and i'm like it it was a good raise um it was a good salary uh it was google so i always like you know wanted to work for big tech and see what's in it and yeah it's funny how it worked out because I had zero experience with GCP and that's the role I, <laughs> I landed is uh, as a you know cloud provider that I had zero experience with. I had three years of experience with AWS and two years with Azure. Um, but I landed a GCP role. But it's it's funny when I look back.
1: Yeah. How how is it transitioning to a different cloud provider? Like what things translate and what things don't? That is a great question.
0: Um The concepts are the same, you know, why we use a cloud provider, what's the benefits of using a cloud provider. So like load balancing, auto-scaling, you know, all of those good features that come with cloud provider. And these services, I feel like, can be tricky, but once you, you know, have a solid foundation of one cloud provider, it's easy to translate, oh, me being like hey gcp xyz service is you know amazon's this service so i can relate but then i think there are some changes with like if you're using the cli so the syntax is different um, but you have the idea of what you're trying to do and most of the time it's it's gonna be same way of doing things
1: so you mentioned cli for those in the audience who don't know what is the cli So it's, it's called, it's full form
0: is command line interface. Um, you might have seen, you know, hacker movies or, uh, geeky movies where they have this black terminal with, uh, green text and you don't have mouse or anything. And the person is just typing on their keyboard and hacking into NASA or, uh, some bank. Yeah. Uh, That's the terminal. And most of the times in these movies, you'll probably see a Linux command line interface, so all of these cloud providers have their own command line interface that makes it easy for engineers to interact with their cloud providers. So you don't have to log in uh, to AWS, GCP, Azure in a browser. You still have to log in through your CLI, but like you don't have to open
1: a browser window. You could just go through the CLI. Okay, so you had this role at Google. Now, how did you feel? Like, Because it's not easy. As a tech person, it's like working at Google, that's like... One of the biggest accomplishments. Yeah,
0: I think that's that, that's how I felt in in the beginning. Is like I'm like I finally I finally did it. Um, because as I said, four months prior to that, I was rejected. Um, I was also within that four months. I was also rejected at Amazon for AWS role, and I was also rejected at Microsoft. So, like, finally getting this, I think it was good. And this was also the role that I finally you know think of it as, okay, I made it in tech because I'm up. So the offer was yeah. more than hundred k So I'm like, oh, financially. Yeah, that's I'm, always a yeah, big mark. It is it's always a big, a big mark, mark, right? So I'm like, oh, I finally made it. It's a big tech company. I'm making good amount of money. You know, I can enjoy stuff now. And the benefits were amazing too. So soon after me joining, they announced RTO, which means return to office. So I had to move cities to be uh, around the office. And I think that was a good change because I had been working from home for almost two and a half years at this point. And going to the Google campus, it was really fun because, you know, you have amazing (laughs) um, resources, you have food and stuff. And that experience I have never had uh, at prior companies. So I think that part was good, but the work itself, I feel like, I was not up for it because I felt like I came back to the old support role that I had three years ago Mm. um, where I'm dealing with, you know, customers, I'm troubleshooting. Um, It is a good learning opportunity for sure. If I stick around and, you know, stuck around for a year, maybe shifted to another team or something. Um, But I think at month two or three, yeah, it was not making sense for me. And I'm like, you know i'm not happy is it is it this that i really wanted um so i i was just looking around and that's when twilio came in um to reddit and i think they saw some stuff um like the blog post that i wrote about cloud and they had the evangelist role open and
1: yeah i decided to quit <laughs> wow respect and do you see that happen to a lot of people? Because like the Googles, the Microsofts, the Amazons, right? They're a dream company, especially for a lot of immigrant people. Just tech, you you get there, you made it. Do you see that happening a lot where people get in and then they're like, this isn't the dream that I thought it was?
0: Uh, that, is, that is a great question. I feel like they usually go with it even if it happens. Yeah. Because there's a lot on stake. Like if I had an been where i am so let's say this was my first role or a second role i think i would have just been there and like maybe stayed there for two years and transitioned to some a different team right but i knew that i didn't want to do this i had a sense of clarity that hey this is not really what i wanted like i would love to work for google i'm not there's no hate from me for gcp or google it's just that the role was not a fit for me and yeah i don't i don't think i see that a lot where people quit within four months so four months yeah. is when i quit and like they will usually go for that one year mark and then maybe quit but yeah. i do feel like we romanticize or like i don't know glamorize big tech yeah. a lot it's end of the day i feel like it's it's same everywhere um yeah if you work as a cloud engineer you got Definitely the challenges are different and the scale is different, but the mo- the work is kind of similar.
1: Yeah, okay. That makes sense. So what would you say, now looking back, what was your biggest accomplishment in your career so far?
0: Oh, I hate doing these. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, let's see. One thing that gives me a really good sense of like just being happy and content and like feeling like okay you know i'm doing some good work is when people comment either it's on my blog post or it's on my open source projects or it's on my youtube video that hey you know i was doing xyz i saw your video i saw your blog post and i landed a role at google or i started working in tech i was able to transition tech i think that's A good accomplishment for me is like even if I helped one person land their dream role, that's it for me.
1: Yeah, and you're doing that. You know, I'm on your YouTube channel, and you have a lot of videos and all that stuff. And you know, uh, we'll put that in the show notes. Now, how is the developer evangelist role, and what do you like so much about it? And what were the things that helped you land that role? I'll start with
0: what helped me and then we'll i think it'll be a good transition coming back to those you know teaching skills i think i started my youtube after spending a year in the cloud rule um covid hit we were stuck at home <laughs> i had a lot of time and i had my desk yeah. so i decided to do right i decided to start my own blog and started writing cloud um you know articles and The stuff that I was doing at work, like if I had some challenge, I would write it. I would write about it at the end of the day, and that really picked up. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't start it because I needed a lot of viewers or something. It started because I wanted just a space where I can, you know, put this. Because to this day, I go back to a blog post that I wrote two years ago when I'm figuring stuff out. Wow. Yeah. So you Google yourself. I go. Yeah, and that's (laughs) like really amazing. Like sometimes. So the other day. I had a new um, laptop that I got and I was trying to install, you know, WSL2 and terminal things. And I'm like, how to do this? And my blog blog post shows up. I'm like, thank God I wrote this because, you know, (laughs) it helps me. (laughs) So I think that was how it started. But like I saw, like, you know, even like 10 people would read it. I'm like, 10 people opened up my website and decided to spend five minutes to read a blog post. I'm like, that's, you know, Amazing. So one thing I discovered during my role as a DevOps engineer is I lacked public speaking skills. Um, There's an instance where I was asked to present a project I couldn't. I had insight, you know, like, I can't do this. There are too many people on the call. And I backed out. And that's when I realized, oh, I need to work on these skills. So I recorded a YouTube video. Well, it was technically a video. And I would see myself how I speak. And we'll be like, oh, this, these are the things I don't like. These are the things that I like. And after 30 days of that video being in the drafts, I finally published it. And it felt good. It felt good. So I made it a goal that each video that I produce, I'm going to work like on some skill or another in the next video and improve on it. And that's what I've been doing. Um, but along with those videos, I try to teach some things specifically in cloud and DevOps. So that's where the teaching kind of comes into play, is explaining technical topics to, you know, others, other engineers, other technical people. And I also discovered there are a lot of students that follow me. So I had to explain it on a level that, you know, they understand it too. And yeah, yeah. Those were, I think, the two skills that really helped me. Is so first, being blogging, so I knew how to write, you know, good technical blogs. Second, how to present myself and give technical talks and you know uh, explain technical topics in a more like virtual manner because we were still in COVID and everything was locked out. So those two skills helped really um, land this role as a developer evangelist. And yeah, I think if you're looking to get into this, like have good, you need to have a good engineering, like, you know, knowledge. You don't need a degree, but like good technical knowledge is always nice. Um, if you have a preferred programming language, like build a few apps, build things that teach you stuff, and then try to like demonstrate it through blog or YouTube video or anything that you re- like find it
1: comfortable. Okay, that's awesome. Now, looking back, what was the hardest period of your life? Or like the hardest thing you went through? You can choose more than one story if it's hard to choose. I will, yeah, I don't, I will say
0: that like there was a period, you know, when I was a student, but also working at that gas station I was telling. Um, and I used to work night shifts usually because I would have school and schoolwork in the day. Um, I would love if they had like a night school for us, like in the evening. That would be awesome. But I remember because you know, as I said, like initially, the financial like burden of you know giving this international tuition mm-hmm. fees, along with you know managing my own expenses and stuff, it, it was really hard because I was just making ten dollars an hour at that gas station, and I would only get like twenty to. 30 hours that I could do in a week. And I think that was a, like, that was a tough time, but I'm glad, like I've been through it. Um, It was tough, like managing time. Like I would sleep three, four hours a day. um, And that, that would take a toll on me. Then also financially, like, you know, I just couldn't live the life that I, like, I don't want to say like, I want to luxurious life, but just like basic stuff too. Like it was hard. And yeah, when I look back, I think, you know, that's the thing that scares me in a way that, hey, like, I don't want to go back. Like, I would love to work at a gas station if they pay me, like, you know, $50 or something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think that was a tough time.
1: Yeah, no, it's always tough when you're, like, learning and growing. And I know how it is. It's like, you can't buy anything because it's like, hey, I can't go out with my friends because that's, like, two, three hours of work. Yeah. and i i i just can't and i want to get up and i want to move up now was there ever a time your lack of a college degree held you back there were i feel like i often get
0: i i have a sense that i often get rejected because they don't see a college degree on my resume i know that it's changing especially in canada it has changed a lot and this was initially like when i was trying to you know go from like help desk to cloud. So at the time, I'm glad that I know that the transition was easier for me and won't be easier for everyone. Yeah. Because I moved within the same company, but I was also looking externally and was, you know, getting rejected because lack of college degree. I only had one year of experience in tech support and like just having a cloud practitioner doesn't show that, you know, I'm a cloud engineer. So in those cases, I feel like someone who has a cloud certification with a really solid project and like a year of tech support experience with an engineering like computer science degree, they could probably have landed a junior cloud engineer role. But that was back in 2018. Okay. So I think it has changed a lot since yeah. then. And yeah, people always ask me if I want to go back and get my you know computer science degree. Um, And I feel like it's the time now that's hard to manage. It's like, I have a full-time job. I'm doing uh, this content creation stuff on the side. I'm part-time teaching at the college. Like, I don't know where I would fit um, studying myself. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And now the beauty is, it's like, you could take a couple of those classes. They have it. And you could learn the concepts. Exactly. You know, it's funny, those kids are probably Googling your articles. (laughs) It's probably (laughs) helping them pass their classes or something like that. That that is definitely interesting, yeah. Yeah. Now, like, what are your future goals?
0: Interesting. Um, So, future goals is, I think, I want to, I love working in DevRel. So, for the audience, um, developer advocates, evangelists, the entire, you know, kind of organizational role itself is known as developer relations. And I think I love right now I'm I'm content with, you know, the developer relations being my kind of role. So I think progressing in that, like I really want to get better at storytelling with technical concepts. So I'm really working with my analogies and stuff, you know, including yeah. real life examples of hey, you know, how a DNS works. So I think that's also playing a role because I am teaching part-time at a college and there are a lot of students when I explain like load balancing and they don't understand it. I'm like, Oh, I have to come up with an analogy. So just getting better at storytelling and like explaining technical concepts as I grew, um, along with, you know, gaining expertise in the cloud and the DevOps space still. Like I love, um, <laughs> you know, being in cloud and I'm biased. So, Um, I want to stick with that and just upskill towards that and then whatever the next level of DevRel for me at my current job would be. I think the nearest like near-term goal is that for the next two
1: years. Now, this is going to be very different. If you saw your 18-year-old self across the street, what would you tell him?
0: Oh, um, trust yourself and like trust In, like, you know, your gut or, like, intuition that you're having. I feel like back then I was, and again, I was young. (laughs) You're supposed to do, you know, stupid stuff. But I feel like I was easily manipulated. Not manipulated. I don't think manipulated is the right word. But, you know, the term, like, surround yourself with people that are, you know, willing to grow and, you know, have that growth mindset. because. At that time, if I didn't do the two month placement, I had my eyes set on, you know, being an assistant manager at the gas station and then getting my, you know, residency stuff figured out and probably like buy a gas station in the future, like 10 years, 10 years down the road. Like, yeah, I didn't know like, you know, I could work in IT or tech because like I wanted to, but I didn't know you could do that without a degree. So I think, I think, yeah, that's, I would say to my 18 year old self is just believe in the dreams
1: that you have and just keep pursuing them. If you were 18 year olds today and you had like the knowledge you had now, how would you fast track yourself?
0: Okay. Here's, here's a twist to the question. Um, If you ask me if I, if I have the same knowledge and I want to like go back and change my journey, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't learn the things that I've learned. Yeah, yeah. But now let's, um, let's yeah,
1: fully agree. But you're now you're 18 and it's like, how would you tell, like, you're 18 yourself, look, this is how you do it so much quicker and so much faster.
0: Yeah, so I would say don't go towards shiny things. <laughs> it's not just true for, you know, cars and phones and gadgets and stuff. It's also true for, like, tech stuff too, like, you being on social media you're exposed to you know tweets and on linkedin you'll see that oh there's a new database service or there's a new javascript framework that's out there that you might want to try it out because everyone is talking about it and you might have fomo you know fear of missing out don't do that (laughs) stick to the learning plan that you build at the beginning of the year stick to the goals that you had in your mind and i think to be honest and I, I haven't said this publicly before, but I think my journey of that three to four years would have been down to two years. I honestly
1: yeah. feel. It's the big thing about the journey is you're listening to so many people and you're trying to figure out and some exactly. people say, don't learn this, don't learn this. Some people say, learn this. Some people say, this is the future. Some people say, you got to do this. But the fact is, it's like, the beauty of technology is as long as you stick to a path, you go to it you can always switch in the future, right? I've seen Mm -hmm. people switch from like cloud to DevOps to sales engineering to whatever. And it's, but they stuck to one thing, they gained the skills and now they transfer over because you're always Mm -hmm. interacting with all that. I'll be sharing your YouTube channel. You know, if you really want to break the cloud, learn actual good advice. There's so many videos. I really want to thank you for your time. Uh, I learned a lot you shared so much good info and whenever I'm in Canada I'll definitely give you a ring oh definitely yeah
0: and no thank you for having me Um,
1: this was great another great episode thank you for listening hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot stay tuned for the next episode this show is sponsored by you no degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias if you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at Degree nodegreeinc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J O N A E D, last name I Q B A L. Until next time, No degree, no problem. NoDegree.com